So excited to be here to get to uh, continue in this series, Prayer Dependence on God. Um, Noah's had us in this series as kind of a kickoff to the 2024 year, that this is going to be year, a year that Mosaic is known as a church that's committed to prayer, right? That our dependence isn't going to be on our finances, our dependence isn't going to be on our employer, our dependence isn't going to be on anything of this earth, but our dependence is only and solely on God. Amen. So uh, we kicked off the series with uh, a sermon on the importance of prioritizing prayer. And then Noah picked up and did two weeks uh, on prayer. The last week he talked about the Lord's Prayer, right? And uh, Jesus teaching us how to pray. There is a way that we should be praying. Um, some of you guys, you know, like, like me, I grew up in a, uh, in a very well-disciplined home. I'll call it that. My dad was a chief master sergeant in the United States Air Force. Uh, spent 30 years there. Shout out to my dad if you're watching. Um, but there was a way that you talked to your father, right? It wasn't just as a casual willy-nilly thing. There was an appropriate way that you communicated with your father. There's a I'll, I'll say this. There's a way that my dad desired for me to communicate with him. Um, and in the same way, our Heavenly Father desires for us to communicate with him a certain way. So Noah spent some time talking about how we should be praying. And then this week, I want to talk about <clears throat> going to a segment of who we should be praying for. And specifically, there's a group that we should be praying for that's oftentimes neglected. Uh, uh, for whatever reason. And so, amen. Let's pray and then we'll jump into it. Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for your mercy, your kindness and goodness. Another opportunity to be here together as brothers and sisters in you. Lord, as we dive into your word, I pray that you open up our hearts. Father, I pray that our hearts would be fertile ground for the message that you want to bring us today. Lord, I pray <clears throat> that as we leave here today, Lord, that we would be people more devoted to prayer, more committed to prayer, and, um, and that we will pray for those that you would have us to pray for, Lord, and that there would be no one excluded from that. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So um, our, our passage today is going to start in the book of 1 Timothy. And uh, if you want to open up, it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And what it says here, actually, let me give you a little context. Timothy is a person that's introduced to us in the text in the book of Acts. Um, Timothy's mother and grandmother were very faithful uh, followers of Christ. Um, and Timothy, as a young man, uh, devoted his life to the Lord as well. And so uh, Paul took notice of him, and Paul became his mentor. And Paul began to um, teach him, uh, you know, continuing on from what is the foundation that his mother and grandmother had laid, but began to teach him um, in the Word. And so it was seen in Timothy that he had an ability or had a, um, a calling to be an evangelist. And so he became a part of Paul's kind of group of evangelists that were ministering to the Roman and Greek empires at the time. And so usually that was reserved for people that were a little older. Timothy being much younger, it was a bit of a surprise that he was already in this position. 
And oftentimes youth groups will use a passage from the book of Timothy to encourage young people that it doesn't matter how old you are, that you can be an example of how to live for Christ, uh, as uh, Timothy 4.12. And at this point, Timothy is in an area called Ephesus. And Ephesus uh, was a church that had been planted by Paul. However, there were some people that came along after that were coming up with some kind of zany new for the people we like. It is for all people. Um, and so when I, when I asked the question earlier, I think about a couple of, of employers that I had, one of which was pretty awful uh, as, as, a, as a manager, was very demeaning to our group and, um, you know, not very supportive. I wouldn't even say micromanager because sometimes it has a negative con- connotation, but just not somebody that, that cared for their people. I don't ever recall praying for this person, like that something good would happen to them, that like, you know, they would be blessed or anything like that. Like when we think of, when you have a negative idea of a person, you usually don't think about praying for them. But then I can think about some bosses that I had that were great. Joel actually was one of my great bosses that I had. And so I think about individuals like that, and I have a propensity to man, that's, that's somebody I want to pray for. That's somebody I want to be blessed. That's somebody, like, because I have a positive thought on them, it connects into my prayer life. But Paul is challenging that, that actually we should be praying for everybody, that all people are included in that, that we should be going before the Lord in intercessions and requests for all people. And then he double down, doubles down on it because there's a certain group of people that oftentimes we really don't like depending on where you're at, and, those, and it's those that are in authority, people that are in authority. Um, if you think about the U.S. right now, we have a very large divide as, as it relates to political structure, right? Generally speaking, it's the right and the left. It's the Democrats and the Republicans. And if somebody is in office that you really feel like, man, this person is great, this person is awesome, this person is sent from the Lord. You'll see prayer services for this person. You'll be excited about this person. You'll be thanking the Lord for this person. But if somebody's up there that you really don't b- agree with, you really don't believe in, you really don't feel like it's from the Lord, those prayers shrink. And as followers of Christ, that can't be how it is for us. Actually, let's take an exercise. Visualizing your mind. Think about, think about a president that you felt like, man, the country was in a great place when this person was at the helm. The country was thriving. Everybody was getting along. You think about that person, we probably prayed for them. We probably prayed blessing for them. We probably prayed prosperity for them. Now think about a person that you really was like, man, I cannot believe that person was ever president. I can't believe that, 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 that God allowed this person to take office. They're awful. Look at what's happening to our country. They're ruining our nation. And ask yourself, how often did we pray for that person? How often did we go before the Lord and, and, and pray for that person? One of the reasons is this, is that when we, when we think about prayer, we think about prayer in the gimme state, right? Like, God, give me prosperity. God, give me blessing. God, give me all of these things. That's not necessarily what prayer is. Prayer also is about um, praying that this person's life would be directed and, and given over to the Lord. 
praying that they would lead in wisdom, praying that they would live in righteousness. And oftentimes we, we end up in this troubling state, like um, in, in this troubling state because we have people in authority that aren't necessarily living the godly values that we would want them to have. And we never go before the Lord in prayer about them. What we do is, instead of having, having a dependence on God in prayer, we depend on ourselves. We depend on voting them out. We depend on um, campaigning against them. We depend on bashing them on Facebook. We depend on all of these other things, but we don't depend on the Lord. And I wonder if it's that because we don't believe in the power of prayer anymore. Maybe it's we just don't believe that God can change hearts. But you'll never find that in a text, right? If we jump into, if we, if we look at the history of Scripture, we will see the story of a king of Egypt when Joseph comes to Egypt and the Lord troubles this king's heart and he rises up Joseph to speak into this king's life to share some happenings that are going to happen in the future and that king's heart changes for the Lord. God changed him. We, we see the story of Nebuchadnezzar, who had three young boys that he was committed to throwing into a fiery furnace. And because of their faith and their unwavering faith and prayer to the Lord, as he threw them in the fire, they didn't burn. It says the, the son of man was in the fire dancing with them, and it changed Nebuchadnezzar's heart that day. Changed the whole nation, people that were devoted to the Lord, devoted to prayer. We also see King Darius who threw Daniel in the lion's den and was actually King Darius was hopeful that the Lord would save uh, Daniel. And when Daniel came out the next day, changed the nation overnight. Even the person that's writing this and writing for us to pray for those in authority was a guy named Saul who was persecuting Christians. This was an individual that was killing Christians across the nation, and God stopped him in his tracks. It actually says blinded him, asked him why he was persecuting him, and then Paul ends up becoming uh, an evangelist, a church planner, and the person who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and actually wrote the text that we're studying from today. God can change people. Prayer changes people. But do we believe in the power of prayer? Are we dependent on prayer or are we dependent on our own ideas? Are we dependent on our own ideas? When, when Paul wrote this passage here about praying for kings and praying for all those that are in authority, there was a guy in power in Rome at that time that was, for all intents and purposes, very wicked. This is just to echo the idea that Paul wasn't intending for us to only pray for those that we liked. Paul wasn't intending for us to only go before the Father for those that we believe in their vision. Paul was not intending for us to only pray for those that are in leadership on the left or on the right or independent or whatever your political allegiance may be. Paul was intending for us to go before the Father for, for all people, but also for kings and those that are in authority because God can impact their hearts, and that our dependence isn't on that person. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, that we're in a spiritual battle, and the best way to battle spiritually is through prayer. 
and that it's important. So the guy that was um, the emperor of Rome at this time was a man named Nero. Anybody ever heard of Nero? Nero was uh, a pretty wild individual. Um, just if, if, if the history is accurate, because sometimes after, you know, different emperors uh, pass, the new emperor will add some hyperbole to their stories to make that person sound worse so that they can look better. But if the stories are accurate about Nero, here's a guy that became emperor at the age of 16, and one of his first issues of business was to have his brother murdered. And then after his brother was murdered, uh, his mother, who helped him get into power, was meddling too much in his affairs, and he had her murdered. Think about somebody kills their own mother. How wicked and wild that person is. And then the guy was married, didn't like his first wife, you guessed it, had her murdered. Had her murdered. And then, because he wanted to marry another woman, so he had the first murdered, a couple weeks later, marries the next woman, the next woman gets married, she gets on his ass, and the story is that he, she was pregnant, and he kicked her in the stomach so hard that her and the child died. The guy... Um, watched as Rome was going in flames. Some accounts say that Nero started it. Many suggest that he didn't. But Rome is in flames, and there's accounts that as his city that he's in charge of is in flames, he was on the outskirts of the city watching it, playing a musical instrument. This is somebody who don't care about his family, don't care about uh, his wife, his children, doesn't care about the city, and then to take the heat off of himself, no pun intended, he decided to start to blame Christians, and, he, and this is where a lot of the stories that you hear about where Christians were persecuted, were thrown into like coliseums and that, and, and attacked by lions and things like this, and he would take their dead bodies, put them in animal skins, uh, enclose them, put them on a stake, and light them on fire. They were like night lights across the city. This is the guy who was in power, and at this time, Paul is saying that for kings and all who are in authority, we need to be praying for them. I don't think Paul was saying we need to be praying for them so that they would be better at what they're doing. Like, hey, we want you to persecute more people. I don't think Paul was saying that, hey, I really want him to be more effective in this criminal activity. No, he was saying to pray for these individuals. Why? Because our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. There is a spiritual battle that's going on at that time that's also going on at this time. And when we're not going before the Lord in prayer, for our nation, and for the leaders that are in place, we're not battling the right way. We're not battling in the way that the Lord wants us to engage uh, in this fight, and we're limiting our ability to actually impact change in our nation. Again, this isn't to dismiss voting. I'm a big fan of voting. I think we all should vote. This isn't to dismiss activism. 
I'm certainly a big fan of activism. But even if you think about the civil rights movement, you know what the civil rights movement was centered on? If you read, uh, read any of Dr. King's writing, look up the uh, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, look up any of, their, any, of their, any of their writings. The civil rights movement was anchored in first, before any march, before anything, first, prayer. It was the first thing that they committed to. We cannot succeed in this life as followers of Christ if we don't have the foundation of prayer. And so what kind of things should we be praying for these leaders? Speaking, you either, you either don't like one of them or maybe you don't like both of them. You know, I don't think there's anybody that likes both of them. But you either like one of them or don't like either one of them. But for both of them was our prayer is that they would love Jesus. Was our prayer that they would be radically in love with Jesus. Was that the thing that we went to our knees at night and said, hey, Father, this is my request. Not that this bill passed or this, you know, this person, whatever, this election happened, da-da-da-da-da. Whoever it is, would they love the Lord? Because that's where we should be. And that they would lead with wisdom from the Lord. Even amongst their failures, even amongst their mistakes, even amongst their confusion, even amongst, you know, some of the things that they're, that they're choosing to do. Do we come back with, Lord, I'm going to pray again that they would lead with wisdom from the Lord. And part of this has to do with us loving them. We're commanded to love people. We're commanded to love people like God's loved us. Like this is uh, the second greatest command is to love our neighbor as ourselves. If, it, if I change the word from a politician or somebody in authority or a boss that you don't like, and I change that and now we're going to replace them with your child, and they're acting in a way that's not pleasing to you. They're acting in a way that doesn't please the Lord. They're acting in a way that you're opposed to. Even though their activity could be the same, your prayer for them is going to be different. And you know why your prayer for them is going to be different? Because you love them. And I will be actively praying for, if it was my child, I would be actively praying for them to come back to Christ, to love Jesus, to live in a way that honors Jesus, that they would have the wisdom from Jesus. Whatever decision they made last night or yesterday, it would be irrelevant to me. Father, I pray that they would love you. Do we pray for people in authority that way? Do we pray for our political leaders that way? And last, that I shouldn't say last, but the three that I felt like the Lord put on my heart is pray that God would use them to advance his kingdom. And we see in the text, there's even people that don't love the Lord at all, and God uses them to advance his kingdom. God can speak through the mouth of donkeys. Look it up, book of numbers, look it up. He can talk through donkeys. He can, he can use anybody as a vessel for himself. But are we praying for them that way? And so this is what the Lord put on my heart. And, I, and I, I can't speak for everybody in here, but I suspect there's some folks that, that are just like me. I would say I'm great at praying for people that I like. I'm great at praying for the people that I love. I'm great at praying for the people that I support their vision. I support their belief. I support the ideologies that they promote. 
not great at praying for everybody. I'm not great at praying for the people that I feel like are persecutors. I'm not great at praying for the people that I believe are doing things that are abhorrent to my Lord and Savior. I'm not great at praying for people that I feel like attack children and things like that. I'm not great at praying for them. And I wonder if it's because I've forgotten about the power of prayer and that God, the same way that he changed Nebuchadnezzar, the same way he changed Darius, the same way he changed the king of Egypt, the same way that he, sa- that he changed Saul, the same way that he changed me. I thank God that I had a praying mother, a praying grandmother that changed my life and that we need to be advocates to the Father going before his throne to pray for all people, especially those we don't agree with and especially those that are in authority. Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll go into a time of communion. Father, again, we thank you that you've left us instruction. We thank you that you haven't left us confused about how to live and how to honor you, Lord, but that you've given us your word that spells it out for us. I pray that we would have the courage to not just be hearers of the word, listeners of the word, but we would also be doers of your word. Lord, you told us that we're in a spiritual battle on this earth. And Father, in America, I feel like oftentimes we get distracted because there's personalities and ideologies and, and views that try to pull us in different directions, Lord, and distract us from the spiritual battle that's going on in this world, Lord. But I'm grateful that you've equipped us spiritually to engage and to have victory even in the spiritual realm, Lord, and that we wouldn't be people that are negligent in engaging that space, Lord, but that we would continue to come to your throne room because of the access you've given us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Lord, and that we would pray for all people that we would intercede for all people, that we would love all people. Father, for those that are in authority in our lives, authority in our household, authority in our places of employment, authority in our government. Father, I first pray that all of these people, if they don't know you, would come to know you, Lord. That they would lead radical lives of repentance, radical lives of being examples of your love, of your goodness, of your peace. Father, I pray that people would be bold enough and love you enough to be overt and open about their faith and what you've done in their lives, Lord. I pray that they would lead with wisdom, Lord. I pray that they would seek you in their decision-making, that it wouldn't just be on their own ideas, Lord, or just ideas of the flesh, Lord. I pray that they would be led by your Holy Spirit in their decision-making. And Lord, as, as the Lord's Prayer says, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. That the leaders we have would be those that advance your kingdom. Your kingdom in Grand Rapids, your kingdom in Michigan, your kingdom in the United States. Lord, your kingdom abroad, 
leaders of other nations, Father, leaders of other nations that, that, that we've maybe given up on, where we're like, there's no way it can happen there, Lord. Re- revive in us a faith strong enough to believe that you can change anyone and any person, that, that anybody that comes to hearing your word, Lord, can come to be followers of you, Father. I pray that we would send the good news over to those countries and those nations, especially those that we don't believe, that many don't believe it's possible. Father, we're grateful to be in your family. We're grateful to be vessels of you. And Father, I pray that we would honor you in all ways, especially in our prayer life. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.